Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple and the host of the Project Purple Podcast. We have another interview for you coming up with a very special guest after a few quick updates. As we record this episode, this is, uh, I always say this is insane, but I guess it is insane for me for being the guy who's driving the bus and we're on pace for another record year, which is just, we are blessed here at Project Purple. And I just want to thank everyone who has supported, donated, or participated in a Project Purple event. Uh, we hope to make this 2023 our best year ever, and you guys allow us to do that. Uh, we'll have our upcoming uh, virtual event in November, which is our annual Turkey Trot, uh, which is a great event this year. We've got a brand new shirt, so be on the lookout for that information. To learn more about all these great events, visit our website at projectpurple.org. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Project Purple. Without further ado, let's meet our guest today coming to us all the way. I say that I, I, I exacerbate that all the way whenever we have guests from outside the United States, but coming to us all the way from Northern Ireland, Allie Brown, two-time Guinness world record holder, going for third, which we'll talk about, but welcome to the Project Purple podcast. Hey, Dino, thank you for having me. So uh, I've never had, we've I don't think we've ever had a, a Guinness world record holder on the podcast. So you take the cake for being the first one. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. I love it. So we were playing catch up here. You've got an amazing story. Um, I did, as I said, before we were, we were playing catch up, before we hit record here, I, I knew about your story. And when the team here at Project Purple that works on the podcast had reached out to you and brought it up in, in a meeting. I was like, this is great. This is going to be awesome. Um, because I, I saw it from a high level from like 30,000 feet, what you were doing across the pond, as we like to say here in the United States, uh, there in Ireland, Northern Ireland. And um, I, I'm really excited to have you here to talk about that, but there's really a special meaning around that. Um, yeah. Why, you, why you did what you did, which was go for another uh, Guinness world record here. So, this is always the first segment of our podcast is the guest opportunity to kind of share, you know, your journey with pancreatic cancer and, and why you come to us today. So uh, with that, I'm going to hand the mic over to you, Allie. Uh, and I always tell our guests, you know, you can stay as high level as you want, or you can get into the weeds. The choice is yours. I'll be taking notes and uh, jumping in from time to time. And with that, Allie, sure. the mic is yours. Okay, thank you. So um, the reason why I did the, another Guinness World Record and for pancreatic cancer is because I lost my late partner, Sharon, in January of 2021 to pancreatic cancer. Um, I met her in 2017 and um, we hit it off straight away. And unfortunately, within six, seven months, Sharon started to get a lot of upper mid back pain. Uh, radiating around to the stomach she was in an awful lot of pain every week and we eventually went to what we would call um, A&E accident and emergency department in our hospitals and um, they they just kept sending her away for um, issues with constipation things like that there until one time we had to go back twice in two days and they kept her in for a scan um, I was in work on a Monday afternoon and I got a phone call to say to come down straight away. Um, and that's when we learned that there was a tumour at the head of the pancreas and it's likely to be confirmed as cancerous. 
and it was so for three and a half years I dropped everything that I was doing I was a, I'm a drummer I work um, and uh, all I had all I could do was think about Sharon's well-being and uh, yeah she, she fought for three and a half years uh, with the pancreatic cancer she was fortunate to have what's called a Whipple's operation which is a very few um, percentage of people eligible to get such a thing um, but unfortunately it had spread to the liver um, and just a small amount um, we're going through treatment chemotherapy and uh, it was sitting at bay and it was actually getting a lot better but Sharon was losing a lot of weight and um, you know she was a drummer she liked she, she, she was learning drums when I met her and she was into rock music and all that so we had a lot of things in common and uh, with my history of doing Guinness World Records and doing a lot of drumming myself, I thought after Sharon had passed that she knew I wanted to do 150 hours. It was always one thing that we talked about um, between the two of us. Um, she knew I had this in me and I wouldn't live the rest of my life without even attempting to do it. So I thought no better way to do this Guinness World Record than to give it a go now at this stage and do it in her honour and in her name and raise as much money and awareness for pancreatic cancer. Now, I did also raise for another charity as well, which was for a mental health charity, um, because I felt um, basically both of them coincide. And I um, got into a bit of a rut and, and uh, a few mental health issues just um in COVID time when Sharon passed away. So I found it very difficult and I thought I need to do something for both charities. So that's where I, I, I did the world record there in, in July. And uh, I did spend a lot of time training for it and everything else. But the charity here in Nipank were phenomenal in trying to help me do a few videos, promos. And I think at the end of the day, once it got out to social media then, it seemed to have taken off. And uh, obviously, I've got to, to speak to yourselves now, and, and I've been in contact with Project Purple, and that's where I'm at today, being able to talk about my story and my background with pancreatic cancer, and uh, how I've tried to spread awareness about it. So, uh, so awesome, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so... I, I got a couple questions here. So Sharon, so you met Sharon in 17 and then she passed away in, in 21. So when was she originally diagnosed? I know you said she she battled yeah. for quite some time. Uh, she was diagnosed in the spring of 2018 and I met her in September of 2017. So we didn't really get a chance to get to know each other for very long. Um, and, um, then she was, she was unfortunately diagnosed fairly fairly quickly in our our uh, relationship, um, and for me, uh, all I just thought about was how am I gonna how am I gonna help her and look after and and that's all I did and I don't know what happened but I just felt like something inside me allowed me to step up to the mark and just be the one that is right. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do what I can, whatever you need. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm going to work it out. You know. Ali, I gotta, I gotta say, so like, you, you're in this relationship for less than a year, and and this your person you're with gets this like awful diagnosis, and you stay, man, and you step yeah. up like yeah. that. That's pretty special, man. Yeah. Well, Sean, Sean to me was a special person, and um, I think 
it's in my nature though um to i would never have walked away from something like that you know um and and i don't think it would have been fair if i'd ever done that and i would never have forgiven myself if i did and um it was only the right thing to do and there was no other option for me than to um you know i loved her at the end of the day so um you know i wasn't going to walk away from it and whatever she needed i just stepped up and got it done special man uh you know i have been doing this 14 years and you know um A lot of times we have couples on or a, you know a, a significant other that was with a with someone for a long long time before they get diagnosed right yeah but to be like a year into it um you know i i would imagine a lot of people sometimes would just you know either not want to be in that um or not have uh you know, I'll, I'll use the term courage, uh, but, you know, also it's just admirable that they um, did that, but it's also probably shows how special Sharon was to you um, and how strong your relationship was. And I, I've seen that too, where people can bond in a very quick time yeah. in, in weeks, you know, and know that things are right. Um so appreciate you sharing us, sharing that with us, because I know that's not easy to to tell kind of people's worst of times and, and you know, to do that. And sorry for your loss. Thank you. So let's talk about the drumming. So you've you've been have you been a drummer your whole life? So I actually had a, my first drum kit when I was two years old. Now, um, I did not take up the drums until <laughs> I was about uh, 13, 14. Um, and in between that time, I learned the flute when I was seven. I tried to do piano. And when I moved from, uh, for me, it's primary school to high school. So from like 10, 11 years old, progressing to high school, I asked for a flute. Um, what the school gave me, the high school gave me was a bassoon. So I ended up playing that for three years and I was in orchestras and concert bands and I thought to myself, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to hit things as in the drums, obviously. And um, I, I, get, I got myself a drum kit and I spent hours after school teaching myself how to play drums and self-taught. Um, I spent maybe two, three hours as soon as I finished school, went out to the garage and played away. Put my In those days, it was a Walkman, so I, I had the tape on and just constantly playing it on loop and learning my songs that way. So that's actually how I learned the drums. Now, I have done a couple of lessons with people, um, learning to read the music and things like that. Uh -huh. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a very good person at reading, sight reading or anything. It would take a while to work it out. Um, but yeah, I did try to do all that. But my background is I'm a self-taught drummer and I did that from I would say 13, 14 years of age and I've always been involved in theatre work, um, playing the drums for pantomimes and like Christmas shows and cabaret shows um, and then what happened was I uh, was teaching the drums um, around 2002 and what happened was in the music school um, they'd only just started up and there was a year anniversary was coming on and what happened was Stephen who owned the shop at the time was thinking of how can I celebrate the year anniversary of this school being open um, uh, 
Guinness World Records. There's a piano world record, so I'll go and give that a go. But Ali, if I do the piano record, will you try the drumming record? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. No problem. I'm up for challenge. So in 2003, I didn't know what I was letting myself in for. I went to do the Guinness World Record, not knowing how to prepare for it or how I would even do during the nights. And the record was 50 hours. Now it was held by a South African guy. And I went to give it a go. I got the 50 hours and we phoned and contacted Guinness World Records. And they said, no, nah, the record's actually now been officially changed to 58 hours. And I went, right, okay. So um, I took my break and I did the 58 hours and 17 minutes. Now, the Guinness records at that time, the rules were different. So I actually had to play a full eight hours worth of drumming before I was allowed to take a comfort break at all. I could not leave the drum kit for eight hours solid, no matter what I needed to do. So then, (laughs) yeah, so, so then you get a 15 minute break. So at that time, 2003, the record was eight hours, 15 minute break, eight hours and 15 minute break. Just keep that going yeah. until you can stop. So hence the 17 minutes is basically my 15 minute break and then a two minute part of a song. And I just went, I'm done. I've done it. You know, so that was me finished because uh, when you take your break in the Guinness rules, even now, um, you your breaks aren't allocated in the record unless you play at least the song afterwards, and then it counts as part of your record time. Um, so that's that's how even the Guinness Records came about. Um, two thousand three, first ever attempt, and I managed to break the world record. Um, I got into the book and everything, got my certificate. So, I think I was hooked from then because after that, I try, I've done it five times in total, and um, including so... the previous one. I want to stop here for a second and talk about this first one. So there's no training. And so I've run 10 marathons and I think, you know, we were talking before we do a lot of marathons, right? So we know a little bit about training here. I mean, for marathons, which is a grind, right? That's like, you know, four and a half. Well, for some people it's, you know, it could be, you know, average finishing times like 410, right? For any marathoner in the world. If you, if you look at all the times, some people finish in six hours, seven hours. So eight hours, like, so do you like, I know that first one, you said you didn't train for it. So there's probably going to be like that first record. And then you got probably, we'll we'll talk about how that changed and what changed, but what are you playing for? You're saying you're playing for eight hours and then you take these breaks. So what do you play? Like, are you playing like the same loop or the same song for eight hours and just hammering away? Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Uh, you know, so what happens is you're not allowed to repeat a song within a four-hour period. Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> so, so what I did was, even then, what I did was I just done an eight-hour uh, set, and I just played that eight-hour set and repeated it every time. So just kept playing it and playing it. Um, and for fitness-wise, I thought it was fairly fit enough to do such a thing. Um, mentally, I didn't know how to prepare for it, but um, you know, I tried my best and somehow I overcame what I needed to. 
with the likes of different barriers that I had to try and overcome. But I was um, taking an awful lot of energy drinks back then for oh. that world record. I was also taking tablets like Pro Plus, like these tablets that try to keep you awake and give you a wee bit of yeah. caffeine boost, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was in a really bad way, to be honest. Um, there was hospital um, medical staff on standby in case anything was going, wrong, going to happen to me because my heart rate was so fast. I was just playing away. I couldn't control myself, couldn't meditate to bring it down. Um, so I was in a bad way, but they allowed me to keep going and keep going. And I got it done in the end. So um, I was very fortunate to do it um, and get through it. OK, but as obviously the years goes on, experience um, and research, we've learned how to adapt to it. That's insane. Like, so again, going into this, I knew about the record. But so this is, and I don't want to take away. So for our audience listening and watching, like you, this is like legit. Like you can really like foobar yourself from like, I mean, clearly staying up and doing anything for 50 plus hours and not getting adequate sleep is not good and not healthy. And there's a, a whole bunch of risk with that, right? Yeah. Now throw in, like hearing you speak and talk, like, you know, having to do an eight hour set. And I, I have a real admiration for entertainers and for musicians in particular, because um, early on in my life, I played the guitar, played it for four years. And that's like one, I don't have a regret, but I kicked myself. Like my brother was a really good pianist, but he put in a lot of time. I just, I, I went into sports. Like I, I got hooked on basketball and that became my thing. And I, I devoured, uh, you know, devoured all my extra time. Yeah. Um, but I just have such an admiration for musicians uh, because they, you know, you have to put in the time. It's just like anything else. You know, the more time you put in it, the better you get. But to play for eight hours, to play like a set for eight hours, like people might be listening and go, yeah, well, that seems like a lot of time. But the physical demand. So I, I got to imagine like your arms probably go numb at some point. Yeah. Your feet probably from the pedals, right, are, are going to go numb. So, like, I was, I brought up the marathon analogy before. Like, okay, so, like, we're running 26 miles in four and a half hours. That ain't nothing compared to a 50-plus hour drum session, yeah. you know, where you're moving your whole body. And I got to imagine your back is probably at some point going to cramp up on you, potentially. Yeah. And don't forget also the seat that I'm sitting on. I'm not prepared to understand the fact that, I could accidentally sit in a position where my, I could sit and trap a nerve on my leg. My leg could then go numb completely. Yeah. Um, all of that, um, you know, having to get pillows and things, not preparing, having to sit on pillows to try and make my backside a bit more comfortable, things like that there. Um, yeah, my arms cramped up. I was playing one-handed at some point. Uh, you do get a break of 30 seconds between every single song. Now it's very important that you get playing again after that. So imagine stopping the end of a song. This next song could start straight away with drums in it, but I don't have yeah. to play the drums. I can wait for 30 seconds. As long as I start within the 30 seconds, then that's fine. So in that period of time, you learn to stand up. You learn to give yourself a bit of a shake yeah. and sit, sit back down again and compose yourself and play the next song. You know, so um, there's little things like that where if you use things like that wisely and strategically, you can then get through it. But yeah, you, you, you couldn't, I, I couldn't have sat there the whole time and not get up and stretch. So I do have those 30 seconds and that allows me to do so. I guess my 
thought on that alley though is like when you're running when I've run my marathons and like you stop to like tie your shoe, like you ruin your momentum and then the pain yeah. starts to set in. Right. Because yeah. now you feel like everything, like just to move a little bit yeah. hurts. Right. Like it all like that, like your body like has to shut down and you have to stop movement instead of just like keep moving, I guess. Yeah. That's so. I think so with the, the running though, the aspect of doing a marathon running wise it is, as you say, about momentum. And yeah. if you if 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 you say have to stop for some reason, then all of that seems to have you've maybe lost that. I'm not a runner myself. I can't run to save myself. Um, but you know, I can understand the the, the fundamentals of it. Like I, I know that if you stop, you're gonna find it difficult to get that rhythm back to to get that to a pace where you were running. So I think it's it, there's similarities there though isn't there because at the end of the day when you run you're going to hit a mental block you're going to get yeah. a, uh, you're going to hit what they say the wall is not right so you know you, you've got ways that you have to try and figure out how to push yourself and push the body and concentrate on something and, and get your way through it so it's the same thing for me in the drum and i guess the mentality of it is what um we need to work, work on to, to push us through to see it to the end um, but yeah, I'm lucky enough I do have those wee breaks there. Um, I can eat and play at the same time. I can sleep and play at the same time. I can play one-handed, you know, so I've got a variety of, of ways I can do it. Unfortunately, you can't run one-legged if you've got a sore leg or anything like that. So. No, <laughs> that, that, that makes yeah. it tough. So on that note then, like, and I know I want to ask a, a secondary question on this, but I said you bring up getting over that wall, over that mental hurdle, like, what strategy do you use now to get over that? Because like we talk about it in running, it's like, all right, you hit the wall. Like we always say, like uh, we have a saying here, like you work harder, it's not a chemo and everyone hits the wall. Some people hit it at mile 18. Some people hit it at 13. Some people don't hit it until 26. Yeah. Some people hit it at 22. Everyone's different, but everyone always hits that wall at some point in that marathon. Yeah. So for you, like what strategies have you used currently to kind of maybe over the lot but you know the, the most recent one to kind of get yeah. over that so if i go full circle from the first one where i've been taking lots of energy drinks and caffeine and trying to get stay awake for it um to now um we've researched so much we've learned off each other there's only five of us in the world that can play over 100 hours and we've we've all played together in 2017 in portugal and played 100 hours together in a big shopping mall so we've all learned off each other. We've got a really fantastic brotherhood and camaraderie there between us all. So um, the, what we've done is we've learned so much. Um, for the la previous one there that I've just done, I did the entire 150 hours with no caffeine, no sugar. And what I did was I used drinks with a mixture of what we call cordyceps, asaguanda, chaga. They're like um, herbal mushroom aspects Um uh extracts and you can mix it with water um and what it does is it gives you a bit of a high but you don't have a crash so you know when you take an energy drink the more you take or even chocolate yeah. for example you get that bit of a crash so i didn't have any of that and i felt like i was on an even playing field from start to finish now between the hours of say three o'clock in the morning to seven in the morning my body every day including the first 24 hours wants to go to sleep okay so 
uh, this time round, what I did was I played a, a variety of 2,600 songs from Sunday morning 7 a.m. to Saturday 1 p.m. I didn't try to repeat any songs. Some songs were repeated, but there were days apart, so it was okay. But my way of thinking was don't repeat a song in a way that you're going to play with your head and think, oh, you know, and you're going to put yourself off the, the routine. Um, but I tried to stay awake during the day. And any time I did a power nap, for example, I did that in the morning time, the early hours of the morning. And then that mm. way my body was wanting to sleep. That's okay. We'll take a break. Five minute, 10 minute power nap. That's all I need. And I'm back on again. And you think I've slept for a, a night. No problem. Because my body's used to it. I've been training for 20 years, over yeah. 20 year period doing this. And I've been researching it as well. So um, I know what my body can do now um but yeah i did the whole week without sugar caffeine and i uh, tried to do my sleeps at night time mentality um hitting the wall i hit a wall maybe every single morning between those early hours it's dark my body wants to sleep but i have to try and keep pushing on i was hallucinating a lot every day i was hallucinating in the in the early hours of the morning um but i have a team there this isn't about me this is about me and my team, the people there to support me, the people who have done this with me before, they know when I'm going to crash, they know how to push me that extra hour um, so before I can take my breaks. Um, and just on the breaks, I'm allowed to play a complete one hour and I get a five-minute break, but I can accumulate that. So, for example, I can play four hours straight, take 20-minute break, but I don't need to take all 20 minutes. I can just take five minutes and come back and then bank the 15 minutes for later stages. Hmm. So um, I think by the time I got to 96 hours, I had only an hour and 10 minutes sleep. Um, and I had banked almost three hours worth of break time that I could use for later stages um, so that if anything did go wrong or I did crash in a way that I needed a longer power nap or sleep, I could do so. I did use five minute breaks. I think in total, I used 41 breaks over the entire 150 hours. Majority of those are five minutes, just so that I could run to the toilet and come back again and just keep playing. Um, and a couple of five, 10, 15, 20 minute power naps as well. Um, I haven't played at the same time. But for me, the mentality of getting through, pushing through the wall, my event is different. I've got a team beside me, Dino. I've got people yeah. that can see me crash and can shout at me, play and in my ear, talk into my ear and say, look, You've only got 30 minutes to go, push another hour, get another hour done. And then yeah. it's weird because what happens to me then is I'm concentrating so much that I forget about the fact that yeah. I had half an hour to go. And then I end up playing another two hours, you yeah. know, before I take my break. And they're saying, look, he's fine. He's thinking that he's only got half an hour and he's just done another two hours without even thinking about it. For you, you're on your own. No, it's different, I think. Yeah, you're on the course. And, and I also feel to, I mean, I guess for some people that have done some, we've had some people do some ultra marathons and that's like, a, you know, they're going for 24 hours. But I mean, so this last one was 150 hours. That's a whole week of playing. That's six and a half yeah. days of playing nonstop. So yeah. this is a whole nother level, um, you know, and, and so it's just wild. I mean, so I just want to make sure we we make that point here with the audience. Like this is this is pretty impressive stuff, man. Here, Ali, that that you're able to accomplish. So, I got before we get to this last one. So you set the record in 2023, 
or 2003, excuse me. Yeah. But you said you've had five attempts. And so this, this, this last one's going to be the third. So I got to imagine the two that didn't become attempts, like, like it sucks to not, not to be in second place. Let's put it that way. Right. Like you, it's the same amount of time and energy that you put into each one. And when you don't get the record, that's got to be like super defeating. Exactly. So um, the five attempts are, 2003, I broke the record. I got the certificate, 58 hours, 17 minutes. 2004, I played 78 hours. And uh, at that time, uh, somebody had literally just beaten the time that I was trying to beat. And I wasn't aware of it. And I stopped. And that was me finished. So I failed that one because I didn't play long enough. Um, Then in 2008... Uh, the record was 86 hours and I became the first person after the world records were reset in the 90s to zero. I then was the first person to hit 100 hours um, in 2008 and I did 102 hours and 49 minutes. Um, the other one is the attempt in Portugal 2017 where the five of us got together in the shopping mall and we beat the group record of 80 hours by playing for 100 hours. Um, But there was a couple of technicalities that came out after it was all issued for verification. So it wasn't official. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, we played the 100 all together. We've all done it before. But to do it together was an amazing achievement. Um, You know, so you can't take away what we've done just because it's not a Guinness World Record, you know, that sort of way. So. This one I've done now, the record was 134 hours and five minutes, and I played 150. So I was starting on Sunday morning, 7 a.m. I broke the world record on Friday evening at five past nine p.m. And I then had to go another 16 hours. I had to push myself through another evening right through to the Saturday afternoon to 1 p.m. to hit the 150 hour mark. So I had a goal, you know, of 150 hours. Yeah. The record's 134. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about hitting 150. I want to get 150 hours, my goal. So um, whether it becomes a Guinness World Record or not, I'm the first person in history to ever do something like this and hit 150 hours in a drum kit. That's never, ever been done before. So you can't take that away from me. And at the same time, if it's a Guinness World Record, then that's a bonus. Now, I, yeah. it has to go and get verified. It takes eight to 12 weeks to be verified, verified yeah, properly. Yeah. I'm still processing the paperwork because I have to upload everything. Yeah. Um, so hopefully within the next week or so, I'll have all that issued to Guinness Records then and eight to 12 weeks to wait. It's a very, very costly thing to have somebody there to adjudicate it. So yeah. So that's the, the other option then is for me to record everything myself and send it away and get it verified. So uh, I, I'm I'm easy either way. If it gets confirmed, I'll be amazing. And I would really love for that to happen. And I do pray that it does happen. But at the same time, I think everyone in the world that is aware of this event knows that, you know, I didn't do 134 as I did 150. 150. So yeah. why the 150? Is that some sort of significance a, or meaning personally? To be honest, no, it was a round figure. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted to pick because I because I got the hundred and because I got the 100 hours, I wanted to do the first to get 150. Um, yeah. And that's what ha- that's what happened. Um, you know, so 
I worked out that I could have gone on to 162, 165, absolute maximum, because then I would be on a stage in the middle of the night and I would crash. I don't yeah. believe I would get through another night. I don't honestly think that. I don't want to go through it again to even find out. Um, but I do know that there's potential there. I could easily have gone to 160. I know that. But I had a target to hit, and I just hit the target, and that was me. I'm done. I know I have nothing to prove, so I'm happy. So let's talk about recovery. So post, what is like the next day? Do you just sleep for 24 hours and try to get back on like some sort of schedule? Like, you know, like eat normally, go to the bathroom normally. Like, how does that look like post? Like how sore are you? Like after that 150, uh, you had to be like a hot mess. Okay. So we're a month after I've done the record. Um, my right hand, I play the drums right-handed. So I still have... Um, Pain. I have numbness across the palm of my hand. My middle two fingers are completely numb. I have no feeling in them at all. I can move them, um, yeah. but I just have no feeling in them. Now, that's because I have a bit of nerve damage in the top of the forearm here. It's sort of pinching the nerves, the muscles are. So, therefore, it takes a while for that to recover. Everything else, not a problem. I, was, I went to sleep on the Saturday afternoon got up again for about two or three hours, tried to go through my phone. And I was like, I can't even do this. The amount of social media, the amount of support I've got was phenomenal. I didn't expect it, yeah. half of it. And um, what people did to support me, I can't thank them enough um, for everything. The smallest of thing, it was so humbling for how people just came out and, and supported me and were there for me. But um, I, I stayed up for a few hours, went to sleep on Saturday night. And my sister was home from London and I... I uh, went out for Sunday lunch with my dad and my sister. Um, and I treated Sunday the next day as a normal day. Now, a few weeks later in the afternoon, I'm almost face planting the desk and <laughs> work. I'm like starting to fall asleep. It's catching up on me. Um, yeah. But I feel like I'm not fully recovered. I know I'm not fully recovered with my ham. Um, sometimes I'm back to the gym and my heart rate shoots up. So I'm trying to be careful with that and just... You know, I think my body is still in the recovery stage. So maybe a few more weeks, I'll hopefully be back to normal. That's wild. Um, you know, hearing you say like, hey, yeah, your hand's numb, you know, and this and like, I'm like, again, I go back to like, you know, before not knowing this, like I would like the severity, like you, you have an injury from what you did and you kind of played off like, ah, it's no big deal, you know, but you know, and again, like it's almost very nonchalant alley, but like, again, for our audience, like a whole week of doing a specific physical activity without very many breaks, without again, sleep, like a routine of food. Like I know, you know, some people like having, uh, you know, taking your time to eat. I'm sure you're just like shoving down whatever nutrition you can. And then what, you know, time is such, and I'm thankful that you described the event, the particulars of it, because that's another important piece here. Like you don't have a lot of time. You're on this set schedule yeah. in order to make this happen. Right. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, you have to adhere to, to make this work. Yeah. So there's the stress of that, you know, which goes into the mental aspect. I can't imagine I, I'm a planner. So I'd be like, really like 
you probably have a really good clock guy, you know, someone in your corner that's making sure like, Hey, the stopwatch is going. All right. We got to go like, get yeah. off the toilet, man. Like let's move. <laughs> we got to move here. We got to get back. Right. Because that, you know, a technicality like that can maybe cost you, you know, the record. I know you said you're not going for the record, but still, you know, it's just, just wild, man. Just really, really cool stuff here. So I, I got a couple questions here for you about this. I know you mentioned, you know, uh, in the introduction about Sharon. I find like whenever I'm doing something, like when I run, like I, that's like my moment, like I can zone out. So I imagine you've been drumming for 20 plus years. You know, you got the records. You're used to being in that seat at this point. Yeah. Six days, six and a half days doing this. I'm sure Sharon, like you're, it's almost like mental. There's probably like mental gymnastics. I don't want to put, well, well, let me, let me back up. How is that then? Because for, it's not like your drum set's moving. You're you're probably staring at the same faces, the same wall. Yeah. Um, But you're doing this for Sharon. And this is a constant reminder of what you've gone through with her for six and a half days how do you how do you get through that um i think i think what what you what you think about at those times you know is the fact that you didn't go through the pain or the suffering that a loved one went through with pancreatic cancer you don't know how much pain they were in maybe they hide it i know sharon hid everything and she put on a brave face for the whole thing right up till when she passed away um, but I understood everything that she was going through. Um, so when I'm digging deep, I'm trying to remember the reason why I'm doing this record for, um, why I'm doing it, who I'm doing it for. And I'm hoping that something can come out of it in a way that, especially where awareness is concerned, you know, that you want to be able to, you know, get an early diagnosis um so that you can have a better prognosis you know what i mean you time matters and that's a that's a thing that we believe in with the pancreatic cancer and um, for nipank their hashtag is time matters and you just hope that what you're doing is spreading enough awareness out there for someone to realize just what suffering can be done um and just realizing that the earlier you get sorted out, the better. So I always try and remember what I'm doing it for. And I know that, I know Sharon was beside me the whole time doing it, encouraging me, shouting at me or whatever. Um, But I also am aware of the fact that I think that through her story and me putting her story out there to the public is allowing for the awareness to come to some family or anyone who's, feeling any symptoms towards pancreatic cancer that hopefully somebody will go and get checked out and give them as much time as possible um, to to get help you know so I, it, I always I, I always think about what I'm doing it for it's always about that and my friends and family all know that I'm so stubborn anyway so you give me a challenge and I'll, I'll push myself so those things you always you always remind yourself just someone else is suffering you know this is this is not about me i'm going to push myself i will get through it i believe in myself so why everyone else believes in me so why can't i you know 
powerful stuff, my friend. So with that being said, you just did 150. Do you think you have 200 in you? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say no, but um, I'm not going to do it again. Uh, I don't have anything to prove anymore. Uh, every time I've gone to set out to do a certain specific time, I've managed to, to reach that time, and I'm very fortunate to do so. So I think that it's best for me to hang up the sticks in terms of doing an endurance event like this again. There is talk of um, the guys getting together in Canada next year or the year after to do 100 hours again and push it and get it confirmed. Uh, so at the very most, I would do that. I did the world record event under a company called Drumathon Live um, and everything can be seen on uh, Live on that website and all the famous musicians and celebrity musicians and everyone that's been involved over the last few years that I've been very lucky to be part of, they're going to do another Drumathon Live next year in 2024. The This year was all about me, Drumathon Live, doing the 150, doing the world record. But mm. the, the years up to that have been raising money for mental health and various charities where I've done a 24-hour stint in a studio. Other drummers have done maybe one hours or 12 hours. Um, mm. So next year, if anyone wants to get involved with it, they can do. And it can be done like a stream. So anyone in the world can get involved. And we want to make it as big as possible. So any drummers out there that want to do a one hour, 12 hour stint, whatever, you know, they can look it up and get in touch. So awesome. I, I think I've seen like pictures. Uh, there was a video probably pre-pandemic, like in Italy, and they were having all the, there was like a massive amount of drummers and they were playing, I think, Food Fighters or something. It was just so wild, man. Again, I, I have such an appreciation for uh, musicians because it's just awesome. So that's the Rockin' 1000. And uh, I sent an edition three a few weeks ago. So I've got my edition passed and I'm now able to get involved with that now. So when the next one comes up, I can get involved with it. So awesome. <laughs> I got a couple of questions here left for you, and then we're going to share with our audience where they can follow you along and, and reach out to you if they have questions. Sure. And on that note, what advice would you give someone? I mean, what, what you decided to do is really, really special, Allie. And I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. Uh, I think anyone who raises awareness for someone they've lost or someone who's fighting is just really, really uh, selfless and it's really special. Um, so, Given what you've done here with 150 hours, maybe there's someone listening and, and maybe it's not drumming, but maybe, and it's not running. Maybe it's just something that they just love and have a passion for, just like you have, uh, have a love and a passion and, and something that you and Sharon shared with drumming. What advice would you give that person on the other side, listening to, to take that and to try to raise awareness? Like maybe some of the things that you've learned uh, through this experience. Um, yeah, so basically all I would say to somebody is if you do have a passion out there, no matter what it is, and you do have something close to your heart, for us it's pancreatic cancer, um, then there's any amount of things that you can do to raise awareness and raise some funds. And you can make it fun as well. It doesn't have to be anything extreme like what I've done, 150 hours. It can be something simple. But um, go for it and get it done because I think afterwards then you realize just the sense of achievement 
that you have for doing such a thing, regardless of how big or small the event is that you do, you do have that. Um, your your heart just fills with fulfillment, it glows, and you feel like the amazing, most amazing sense of achievement that you have just done something for somebody else and you've helped somebody else. So it's it's an amazing thing to do. So don't be afraid to do it. That, at least that's one thing I would say. Just give it a go. And don't be afraid to take it on yourself. But also remember, there are plenty of people out there that will help you if you want it. Special stuff. My last question here, and, and given your experience and what you went through with Sharon, how do you define the term pancreatic cancer? Uh, that was a very difficult one. Um, because for me, I realized that it made life difficult from the start. It um, it made life shorter for Sharon, unfortunately. And I, I didn't realize just how difficult pancreatic cancer would be for anyone that has it. And my heart, my heart goes out to everyone and anyone that does um, have this illness in their in their lives. I just, I just feel like, you know, the awareness is the most important thing we can do out there to try and get people aware of it. And hopefully we can get the right funding and back into allow people to enjoy life better um, and get the right help because it is not, it's not nice. But the only thing I would say about pancreatic cancer is anyone that does have it or suffer from it, please do not bottle any emotion up. Please do not feel like you're on your own because you're not. There are many people out there who love you for who you are and will be by your side and help you in any way you can. So please don't feel like you're on your own. So powerful uh, to hear you say that because, uh, you know, I, I any cancer can be very lonely. And I think there's a level of, uh, you know, unfortunately, the media, social media, you know, like we we sometimes uh, put certain people up on a pedestal. Um, and so everyone has to feel like they're they have superpowers. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think when you get cancer, you know, there's that. Feeling of like being vulnerable um, and allowing people to help you. But there are so many groups. There's so many people. No one fights alone is what we like to say. And I think what you just said, like I said, is so powerful in the sense that, you know, there are groups out there. There's there's friends, strangers uh, that will help everyone get through this. Um, and, and it's really special to raise awareness. And um, Ali, I, I got to say, man, I didn't know, you know, again, I knew the record. And then, you know, we start to get in this. I love pushing the body um, to its to its limits. Um, I think the human body is amazing, and I've seen some amazing feats in my time. The Guinness World Record, Guinness World Record, as you said, it, it doesn't matter. Um, but I know to some people it does matter. But to just hear your story, man, is is freaking amazing and and so inspiring. You know, I, I mean, we do a lot of physical activities. Um, I always. The premise around what we do is we just want to get people moving because there's the endorphins, you know, and it's positive yeah. and, you know, pancreatic cancer has that negative connotation. So we want to get people moving because we know those endorphins get going and, and people get that positivity and, and healthy. But what, man, what you did was just, you know, freaking a feat of like to take the body to like, it's extreme, extreme, extreme. It's like, 
you know, I, I, I don't have a good analogy here, but it's just so freaking mind blowing, I guess is what I'm trying to say here, what you're able to do, man. And, and the fact that you did it for pancreatic cancer awareness and for Sharon is just so, so special, man. So thank you for allowing us to share that story and the journey you're on. And, and thank you for all you're doing for everyone in Northern Ireland and for people all around the world, you know, battling pancreatic cancer. Yeah. I think that also what it, what I did was I showed people what you can do your body without the likes of sugar and caffeine as well. You know, there are mm -hmm. things out there that um, are embedded into our brain to, to be a must have in life, but it's not necessary. You know, um, there are ways around life to make it better. So it's possible to do so. So awesome. My last thing here for audience listening, someone maybe is in the drumming or someone, you know, does something else and wants to see how they can do what you did for what they love to do. Yeah. Um, maybe not to the level that you did for six and a half days, uh, but, you know, wants to raise awareness um, or maybe there's someone in Ireland that wants to, you know, get involved. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Social media, email, what, where's that place? Uh, no problem. So uh, my Instagram is A-L-I-B, Ali B underscore drummer. That's it. It's an easy one. And from there, you can then connect to my Facebook and DM me or whatever. And I can sort uh, email addresses out with you from that. Um, so it's probably easier to get me on the likes of Instagram. Uh, people can do this up 24 hours no problem it's it's a simple thing to do it sounds like a big thing to do and it is big for challenging um a, a challenging thing for people to do but um i do have a lot of hints and tips typed out there for people to get through such a thing um for 12 hours 24 hours and if they do want to raise money doing drumming i'm i'm there to help them i have the hints and tips sitting ready to go i love it i love it ali thank you for being a guest on the project purple podcast Thank you so much for everyone at Purple Project as well for getting in touch with me and for for you, Dino, for allowing me to be on the podcast. And I and I um I just want to say it's amazing to be here. And thank you for everything you guys are doing as well. You're all awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like today's episode, please share this episode and follow the Project Purple Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe.